listening to a Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. Today, we're talking to Maricel Brignoni from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Maricel is a FEMA disaster relief specialist who's working on the disaster relief for Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico from San Juan. She's a mother of two, and she's also a myeloma patient and strong supporter and advocate. To begin, Maricel, when were you diagnosed with multiple myeloma? I was diagnosed on December 2013. I was uh, 36 years old. And I spent like one year and a half searching for diagnosis because it was uh, all my labs was abnormal, but they didn't define exactly what was happening. After uh, I spoke with my doctors, they did a biopsy in my axilla and they found encapsulate amyloidosis. That's why that's what when my journey started. And um, they give me a bone marrow transplant and then we confirm that I has multiple myeloma. But we spent like one year and a half looking for a diagnosis. So for my case, it wasn't so easy to be diagnosed. And were you treated in Puerto Rico? Were you, I understand maybe you were in Florida at the time? No, I was in Puerto Rico. That was a uh, very difficult uh, the beginning, because when I was diagnosed, uh, he told me, Marisa, you're going to start treatment and then uh, you're going to pass a bone marrow transplant, an autologist. And mm-hmm. the first thing that is passing my head was, do I stay in Puerto Rico? Do I go to the United States? What should I be doing? Because in the island, we didn't have a lot of uh, information. We don't have specialists in multiple myeloma for that time. So it was. It was very scary at the beginning, and I have I was a single mom with two kids. My my son has three years old for that time, and my daughter it was she was a uh, seventy years old. So it was very very difficult for me and my family to uh, with this diagnosis. And I lost my job one month after I was diagnosed. So it was wow. another stress out. Uh, figure it out. What would be our next step? And without a lot of information, so I would trust my doctors, and uh, we were straight to the chemo's, and I got Rebomy and Belcade, and then they go, they start to treatment for starting the bone marrow transplant cardiologist. So I did everything in my island. And then I know, understand that you have gone to Florida for some treatment as well. Have, is that true? Yes, I went to Florida just to have a second opinion because mm-hmm. when I did all my uh, bone marrow transplant. I start to see a few labs because you start to understand very well your disease. <laughs> and you start to learn how the labs should be uh, writing. And you start to see what would be the, the how do you say this, when the highest number starts to came And you start, yes, the M spikes and everything. So you start to talk to the doctor and say, the diseases are coming. Do I need to start another treatment? This is normal. And I didn't, at the beginning, uh, feel comfortable and I'm very proactive. I'm not a reactive person. So I tell my doctor, I love you a lot, but I wanted to have a second opinion to be sure that is any other treatment out there that I will be capable of or I'll chill wait. So at that time, we wait until uh, February 2020, when the COVID-19 started, that I have a, a relapse. 
and I have to decide to have a second treatment and go to my second bone marrow transplant autologist because my brother's state doesn't be matching with me. So my doctor, due to the amyloidosis, he doesn't want me to wait. And we decided, thanks to a lot of um, webinars and podcasts for the International Multiple Myeloma, I learned a lot of process about how we, with COVID, start to manage our treatments and diagnosis. So that helped me a lot to pass this second bone marrow transplant. But the second one was also in my IAM. Are you on any sort of maintenance therapy currently? Well, right now we are uh, waiting for my labs to decide what will be my my maintenance because I was the first for a weekend, the first patient in the island to have the test for the minimal residual disease. That oh. was key for us to to make the decision to the mm-hmm. correct therapy or the treatment and when we should be doing this, that second bone marrow transplant. So that was key for me, that test. So I was blessed for that. So it must be very difficult to keep working during this time. I'm, I understand you're a FEMA disaster specialist. That sounds like a pretty stressful job. What is it like working and living with myeloma? Well, that's very, yes, I have to say that it's very harsh. It's not easy having a kid with a virtual homeschooling study and now that started school and I'm teleworking since the COVID started. And we managed a lot of our process for the recovery and we manage all the emergencies to the islands because we have earthquake and now the COVID situation. So yes, it's a lot of stress, but I have a great support from my family and my coworkers helped me a lot to manage this. I have to tell you that I use a lot of uh, mental health. I have to go to psychologists to help me to pass this process and also with the family. Because sometimes we think about ourselves and we forget that the family is key for our recovery or to manage living with a multiple myeloma. So I think that that for me has been key to manage work and my living. What type of family support do you have? Well, I have a great brother and my sister-in-law. Uh, they both live near from me. And uh, I have my boyfriend that He's a veteran, so also he has a stress, he's a black pilot, also it's a stress job for him. We try to do things as a dinner and we always talking to each other. Every time that I have a process, I spoke with my doctor and the doctors include them. So I think that is great process for me. And I'm trying to start a group of uh, supporting group in the island because we don't have right now for multiple myeloma patients. And uh, I think that that will be key for us because talking with other patients that maybe help us to express ourselves and feel that we are not alone. Exactly. And speaking of that, we talked about the theme of resilience, which has been a big theme that the IMF has put forward in our Myeloma Action Month campaigns, and also IMF Chairman of the Board, Dr. Brian Dury, often writes about it in his blog. And the way that we have seen it defined and we define it is the ability to adapt to new challenges and difficulties. And as an individual and also as a myeloma patient, what does resilience mean to you? That I have to say that that resonates a lot with me, not only for my disease, because I always said that disease uh, doesn't define you as a person or as a was a patient. Yes, 
as Puerto Ricans, when we passed the Hurricane Maria, that word for us was huge because we feel, uh, and they mentioned a lot that Puerto Rico was very resilient. And I think that when I was diagnosed, it's not that I'm a resilient person. I cannot be a resilient without my coworkers, without my family, without my daughter, without my son. I think that what makes us strong, and as you mentioned, that is the ability that we have to leave adversity and transform and make and emerge stronger and overcome all this. As a resilient is that mother and uh, that see you and feel you laying in the bed and tell you you're going to be better tomorrow. That friends and cousin and the family call you and make you jokes when you are in in a hospital bed. Friends having party when via Sky call you and you feel part of it. I think that I cannot say that I'm resilient without saying that I'm a mother, friend, and sister, daughter, girlfriend, partner, of a resilient family and friends. I think that they are the ones that make us resilient because they help you to grow. They help you because sometimes we have to wind down. Sometimes we have to say to ourselves, I'm not feeling well today. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. I had a headache. I have a pain. Not everything is happening or not everything. You have to have a face with a smile. You exactly. have to cry. You have to feel sad. You have to feel bad. But that family and friends and partners, boyfriend, husband, whatever you said, those are the resilient just as you are because they are the one who help you to, okay, let's get up. Let's be good the best that we can for today. That, that's what my, my thing about resiliency. That's excellent. So community is obviously very important. Yes. You might have heard the news that Yalak Biru, who has a patient who's been living with myeloma for 26 years, he's also a data and analytics specialist who's worked in a lot of different organizations, has recently joined the IMF and is going to be our CEO. And Yalak is a great speaker. He's spoken at many patient and family seminars. And one of the things that he often says is, we are not our disease about myeloma patients, that myeloma is over here and the person is an entirely separate identity from the disease. Does that sentiment resonate with you and why? Yes. I remember uh, when I was um, at the beginning, as I mentioned to you, that I spent like one year looking for what was happening to me. When I finally got my diagnose, the people look at me and said and asked me, how you can said that you found out about your condition and as such a delicate and critical diagnosis, such as multiple myeloma, and you can say it with a smile. And I said, because I already has a name for what I was fighting for. Now mm-hmm. I'm taking my purpose of life. I most have, I most and will fight it. When, when you are sick and you don't know what is happening with you, you cannot manage. But when you know what is happening with you, you start to learning and you start to educate yourself. And now you have the tools to manage it. So I, I will always say now has a name and last name. Now I'm dealing with that. Just Maricel Brignani and multiple myeloma. It's two different things, just like he said. Right. And also you're talking about how you 
been part of the community and also very active with the IMF. I understand you recently provided resources in Spanish to Spanish-speaking members at a support group meeting. How was that experience for you? That experience was very special. Uh, as, as I told you that at the beginning, we don't have a lot of resources in Spanish, neither websites or webinars that can explain the disease in a way that, as Puerto Rico said, in terms of rice and beans. Now, that's, that's our terms. When you can explain something very simple and easy, we said in rice and beans. So I think that it would be great opportunity to us to start to educate with our language. Hispanic are very charismatic and also we love to talk. So I think that speak in my native uh, language was a really blessing. And what do you think we can do as a myeloma community to better serve Spanish speaking members of the community? The Spanish language is a very rich one. Culturally and every region speak very different in their own way. So I think that it's very important to become very familiar with the audience, who you're speaking, those who are in Texas or those who are in California. They have that kind of uh, way to speak some type of words and also in the Caribbean. So I think that when we start to understand a little bit more their environment, it would be good to us to incorporate and they're going to start to talk to each other. And I think that it will be a great connection for each Hispanic. And what kind of other passions do you have? You have a very stressful job. You're a mother. What are some of the things that you personally enjoy that you'd like to share? I love to have that kind of trust and voice to those uh, for Hispanic that speak, um, that has multiple meloma. I think that I would love to be that kind of voice for them. And find and ways that can help in situations and given the opportunity to have treatments in in places that sometimes we don't have just like in Puerto Rico at the beginning we don't have doctors now we have two and now we are thinking to bring treatments with cells and seminars that not only patients but also caregivers can understand what are the disease so i think that it will be a blast for us and having the best doctors it will be a great success for us in, in having hope in this disease i think i asked you all the questions i had planned is there anything that's on your mind that i haven't covered that you'd like to share well, I wanted to thank the international meloma foundation to give me this opportunity and give every patient the place to spoke and, and help others, a place that we can go and they're always available and the doctors always have resources and treat you like a family. I think that this is a thing that we miss it. And I'm looking forward to have more resources in Spanish and help others to find a way to have uh, treatments and not only treatments, also support groups that can help them to pass this condition. Yes, we're also looking for that in the future at the IMF. So I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. You've been listening to a Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. Today, we've talked to Maricel Brignoni from San Juan, Puerto Rico. To learn more about the IMF and myeloma, visit us at myeloma.org.